2: Oh Jimmy, <wijuru> throw in the,
1: throw the towel, damn it. Bring the Get him off, get him get it's over. Get him off,
2: get get
1: We family, man, what the hell wrong with you, Ullis?
0: You the chief, man, you the tribal chief that's what you want, you've got it, man. Just leave them alone. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to the Clash of Champions post-show.
1: I am John Pollock alongside Wei Tang. Thank you for tuning in. If you are tuning in live, all of our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons, here we are after a WWE pay-per-view. A show that, let's be honest, if we were asking for a show of hands on Friday night, who was counting down to Clash of Champions? Well, I think there would be a a lot of arms that would be uh not raised in the air
0: uh not an understatement whatsoever um and i would say you know judging by your opening line sean i haven't spoken to you about your thoughts on the show yet but i would assume that this show much like payback perhaps greatly expe- exceeded your expectations
1: uh th- this was better than payback i thought this was a better show than, than payback i mean like payback which oh, we also weren't so weren't
0: weren't caring about going
1: into similar it. similar in the sense uh but this one yeah there, there's lots to talk about and there was not not to do like a complete 180 like there were matches that were cold going in that were just a time suck on this show but the meat and potatoes of this show um that's what you're going to remember the show for and i think they they delivered um above and beyond so we'll get into all of that but uh, Way how has your weekend been? This is show number two for you today. How are you holding up on this Sunday night at a WWE proper post show start time of just after ten PM Eastern Time? I love it. I'm doing all right. Yeah, doing pretty good. I mean, I think it helps that not only
0: was this morning's G1 show an excellent show, like this WWE show was an excellent show too. So, and I know the 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 temptation is always there to compare and contrast between the promotions, but both shows put on ex- both companies put on excellent shows tonight
1: all right you guys can go check out that post show that uh Wei and mike murray did uh recapping today's g1 show from kobe which may well i don't know if this was the best match of the g1 but i'm kind of leaning towards it being with abushi and ishi uh but yeah. without any doubt ishi is the mvp after five days there's no question after five days
0: amongst the crop yeah i definitely say so
1: well, we are going to be taking your phone calls afterwards, so we'll uh, we'll run through the pay per view. Um, but before we start that off, I guess we're going to go back to the kickoff show because they acknowledged uh, right at the beginning. Charlie Caruso said that we have we have late breaking news, as reported by uh, John Pollock. Uh, they, they, I think my <laughs> audio I think my audio cut out right as she was uh, attributing this report. Uh, noted that uh, some of the matches have changed, and they stated that. Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, and Nikki Cross have not been medically cleared to compete tonight, stating that the, the Raw tag title match, or sorry, the women's tag title match uh, with Baszler and Jax against the Riot Squad, they would address that on Monday night on Raw, and that Bayley would appear later in the evening on the pay-per-view to discuss her match with Nikki Cross being canceled. But we had two matches out, and we got somewhat of a makeshift match with Bailey that was not really a match it was more so just a backdrop for an angle
0: yeah correct um, so they did their explanation at least on camera was that they are not medically cleared which I think technically is is right now they also named uh so they specifically named Nikki Shayna and Naya and um I mean naya and Shayna were kind of playing games all night on Twitter you know mm-hmm. um kind of um like at one point Naya was like saying Shayna Her partner is expecting, and Shayna ended up saying, I'm expecting something in reference to the Vikings. And then... um, The the NFL team. The NFL team, yes. Naya then quote tweeted the actual lines of um, them saying that the three of them are not medically cleared, and Naya referred to it as lies. Um, Take that for what you will. Who knows whatever that means. Um, I think we you know, do know, though, that... At least two of the people on this list, Shayna and Nikki, are in very close contact with NXT performers.
1: Yeah, certainly, and and again, like we went over this on, on Friday. Like, don't always just jump to the conclusion that someone is pulled. That means uh, they have tested positive. Like, I I know of people that have tested negative, but they are quarantining now, and like they are they are doing contact tracing. Like, if you come into contact with someone, I mean. Everyone knows, like, Nikki Cross with Killian Dane. I mean, like, it's it's doing the right measure. And I'll, I'll state off the bat, I don't 100% have the, the reasoning for those that were not on the show tonight, but I think people are kind of just, uh, th- that's naturally where people are, are going to assume uh, this goes. But um, ultimately, I, I guess we'll see when talent comes back. I mean, if this is something, like, we saw... We saw Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax on TV last Monday. So if if you're talking about something that it's two weeks of quarantine, then you know they will not be on TV this week. Uh, Nikki Cross, I mean, was very notable her absence on Friday. Um, I had first heard that that match was. I heard that there were potentially two matches in jeopardy for the pay-per-view on Friday, but I was not told which ones. Uh, and then it was kind of hinted to me about one of them being Bailey and Nikki cross, but I cannot confirm that until today and finding out as well, that the second one was uh, the tag match. So those two were off and they uh, just announced it right off the top at the start of the show. So uh, we will see what they follow with tomorrow night uh, in regards to the tag titles. if, they're just going to put that match off or what they'll do. They said they would address it Monday night. Mm-hmm. So the panel also featured Booker T JBL and Peter Rosenberg. And we, we had an interview with Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro drinking some champagne where they compared themselves to Jordan and Pippin, Hobbs and Shaw and Simon and Garfunkel.
0: As Nakamura started to sing, hello, dark- darkness, my old friend, um, I think these two are actually starting to find their voice together. You know, they're being given a lot of chance to practice on TV, and I think it's starting to show improvement.
1: Uh, the panel spoke to MVP, very good promo with him, just giving Apollo Crews zero chance of beating Bobby Lashley. He called it insanity to even entertain the idea that Apollo Cruz could beat Bobby Lashley, and he turned out to be the voice of reason. Then we had uh, the silly stuff with R-Truth. He was all dressed up. Um... I don't know, as like this uh, old man carrying his title around in a bowl.
0: He's trying to like, because it's called Gold Rush, he he was trying to pretend to be, I guess, somebody from, I don't know, the, the old west. um, Trying to get gold in a pan. It was as
1: entertaining as Way is describing it. <laughs> Elise Ashton interviewed Andrade and Angel Garza, and they stated that Zelina Vega is now in the past. We have each other's back, and no one can measure up to the two of them. And, I mean, I really took this to be tonight's show. Like, this is not just a a brief uh, parting of these two. It seems that they are separating Zelina Vega from these two.
0: Seems like it, and honestly, no real lead-up to it whatsoever. I mean, unless the whole time this whole plan was for Andrade and Angel to tease breaking up only for Zel- Zelina to leave. I suppose in a roundabout way that might even kind of make sense, but there didn't really seem to be a whole lot of um direct narrative to lead to this point. Um you would expect them perhaps to be split fully
1: once the draft happens. And then Sami Zayn confronted the panel about not being recognized as the intercontinental champion. He called it a sham of a championship. And he said that Booker T is now throwing him off his game. And if I lose tonight, it's your fault. Uh, so I guess Booker T was absolved uh, about an hour later. Our new kickoff match. Originally, they had advertised Oscar and Zelina Vega, but that got bumped onto the main show. So in its place was Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura against all the drama way. The, re- the reveal occurred. It was going to be Kalisto and Lince Dorado representing the Lucha House Party. After all these weeks of losses by Grand Metalik, it's going to be the other two, the stronger unit, uh, challenging for the tag titles. And the story of this match was essentially that uh, Lucho House Party had no chance here. So Nakamura and Cesaro dominated Dorado for the duration of this match until Kalisto got a tag and he came in, he finished uh he went for this flying ddt to cesaro on the floor which was assisted by lince dorado diving to help kalisto but then nakamura dumped dorado over the barricade nakamura made a blind tag in as cesaro did the swing on kalisto into a running knee by nakamura and they pinned lince dorado in or sorry kalisto kalisto takes the fall in 10 minutes and 45 seconds so the loser house party uh Suffers another loss, and this time it's Calisto, the one who had been the uh, the leader of the three, taking the pin.
0: Yeah, I mean, I never took this to be any sort of real, you know, contendership uh, for for this championship. I mean, really, it does only serve as a backdrop to further this lucha house party breakup story. I mean, the match itself was eighty percent the heels beating on Lince Dorado. That in itself I actually found quite entertaining because I think Cesaro and Nakamura. Uh, are both incredibly aggressive cesaro as always but i think nakamura continuing that mean streak that i saw of him on smackdown um i would say as a team not just on the microphone but i mean uh, they've always been solid in ring but now i really do start to feel a bit more of a sense of the two of them being a fully formed team um some excellent sequences once all four of them spilled in there was very little anticipation going into this one um and by the end of it definitely not a match you have to see if you missed it but if you did catch it, it was a solid opener, and it would probably springboard some sort of, you know, storyline for Kalisto to further complain about Lince Dorado not helping him or something.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't know if this warranted a, a month of buildup for for this. I mean, fine match, but I mean, all, all of the stuff with Cesaro and Grand Metalik. I mean, it was it's fine. Um, it, it just to me is just a very cold program coming in and coming out of it. The main show started with a video narrated by John Cena. And then they kicked off with the ladder match with Jeff Hardy defending the title against AJ Styles and Sami Zayn.
0: It's interesting, um, the choice of John Cena, you know, as uh, somebody here. I mean, I think it makes sense. You know, it's a class of champions and you have, you know, one of the people who um, is one of your most recognized champions of all time. But having Cena, like, be placed in sort of like a voiceover role, that to to me is typically reserved for, like, you know, your retired legend, to me, it's almost like a further indication that this guy's probably not coming back in a full time schedule, really ever. I don't even know if you would consider him a part timer anymore.
1: Uh, yeah, I, th- I I think it was just maybe someone had a concept for this, and I guess Cena you know, was available to do some vo work. I, I would imagine that he's not going to have too much uh, time to be doing WWE pay per view vos in the near future. Seems like a busy guy.
0: Yeah, like, if anything, you might expect him for a one-off, but, like, can we expect him even for, like, a month or two-month run?
1: No, I think those days are over. I think like like so, the, too. Yeah, like, at most, you'll get the odd. I I, I really believe at this point, um, even doing a match, it's not so much—it used to be, well, this guy, you can tell he has a real love to to do all this stuff and keep showing up. But it was the physical limitations. And now it's the liability. It's, it, it's a liability. It's the, like no way you're going to do a wrestling match at, you know, for, for a guy like him that, you know, could tear something uh, just not being active in, in wrestling. I would say that the the days of in-ring stuff, um, not to say he'll never do another match, but I don't think we'll be seeing one anytime soon. Mm-hmm. This ladder match, uh, this would be an example of a match that uh, John Cena would not be able to clear with uh, DC or anybody. Uh, On the way to the ring, I actually like this. On the way to the ring, they showed highlights of past ladder match glory for these three uh, to varying degrees. I don't know if uh, AJ Styles is someone you automatically think, oh, ladder match guy. Um, And with Zayn, I think probably more so his El Generico phase. But uh, with Jeff Hardy, when you think Jeff Hardy, you think... The 2017 uh, ladder match at WrestleMania 33. That's the first image that comes to mind of me with Jeff Hardy and ladders. I suppose like when navigating old footage for
0: um, clips like these, I imagine part of the edict is to make sure that you don't have anybody who's no longer or you try to avoid as many people no longer employed by your company as possible. Um, You couldn't completely avoid it even in, in something like this, you know, with Matt and... I forget even who else was in that match at this point, but um.
1: to to their point, I mean, I I think they also wanted to at least make it feel more current that, you know, there's there was big moments recently than going back 20 years uh, Mm -hmm. that they so often do. So um, and we were going to see enough of uh, Christian on the show anyway, so you didn't have to go back to 2000 early on. They're using the ladder as a weapon, and these guys are taking some punishment like right from the get go. I was curious to see how they were going to structure this one. Uh, Zane gets tossed into the, their la- the ladders and his back is a mess. Very early on, he came back, landed an exploder, sending Styles into a ladder in the corner. Uh, then Zane climbs the ladder and AJ takes out the miniature ladder from underneath the ring and he just whips this thing into the ring right at Sami Zayn. And it just looked like what, what a painful spot to just take this ladder for just. Full force whipped at you. And that's what HA did. Then he was was using it to,
0: like, he he was blocking it with his hands. And it ended up, like, catching probably his hands, like, way worse than maybe he anticipated. Or at least he sold
1: it really well. Then we always have in in these ladder matches, you give them enough time. We're going to get the Jeff Hardy, hey, I've got an idea spot. Well, his idea (laughs) was, hey, Hey guys, I'm going to climb the large ladder, but then Sammy, you're going to tip it and I'm going to slither down like a snake as Michael Cole described it. Um, This, if you were describing this to me in, in my head, I would be stating, there's lots of problems with this. I don't think this is going to be smooth, Jeff. And it was not. He just crashed and burned down to the floor, caught up in the ladder. His like leg was tied up in it. I, I mean, I thought this guy was dead.
0: I don't know if what ended up happening was happening was exactly how he had pictured in his mind. Uh, in his the, uh, his I, imagination. I, imagination. I'm really not sure. Um, by the end of it, I mean, it resulted in a man falling off a ladder, which I think you can always, you know, like, just brush away as, oh, okay, yeah, the chaos. This was nuts. Uh, but it was definitely weird. And I couldn't really tell exactly what they were setting up.
1: Yeah, it just looked like a mess, but it looked like it hurt. And sometimes in these ladder matches, that gains you points with your uh, audience of, hey, that looked like it sucked. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, they escalated that because Zane was set up on a ladder on the floor. Hardy had come back to life at this point, And calling back to the clip that they had used when he was coming out in a spot he has done many times, Jeff Hardy climbed up this ladder onto the floor and came off with a swanton breaking the ladder with Zane on it. And I mean, I know you've got like this ambient sound now and you've got these LED screens, but my God, does it take a lot to pull off something like this in pretty much an empty arena that Jeff did. This was nuts. It was crazy. Like the amount of like
0: uh, velocity at which he fell at. I mean, he's done this spot before. It's always looked insane, but for some reason this one, like... It just looked like a straight drop. And this was like, a, this was like two cars,
1: like, like, like a T-bone at an intersection. That's what the sound was like. It looked nuts, yeah. So we fast forward to the end of the match, and this is clearly where they put all their thought process into how can we have the most elaborate finish to a ladder match ever? It starts with Sami Zayn revealing at the announcer's desk that he has brought handcuffs. And he takes Jeff, la- lays him out with a ladder on the aisle. And you're thinking, oh, okay, he's going he's gonna to <laughs> handcuff Jeff's arm to the ladder. That's kind of smart. Dude, my stomach began to turn. Because Sammy Zane's head started to turn to Jeff's head. And he took this handcuff and he put it through Jeff Hardy's goddamn earlobe and handcuffed the man's ear to a ladder
0: that like Jeff Hardy's earlobe is one of the best things um, I would say about Jeff Hardy's modern run um, the usage of that giant hole in his earlobe as a body part that heels are able to work around starting with of course Orton a, a year or two back and now Zane going a step further handcuffing the earlobe i loved it i thought this was
1: great he goes into the ring and you're assuming that's the end of jeff hardy oh yeah you would be wrong so this was like right out of like uh, a magician where styles scoop slams zane and after letting go of the scoop slam (laughs) realizes zane has has handcuffed himself to AJ in the process of taking the slam. So therefore, AJ is handcuffed to Sammy and can't climb the ladder. Meanwhile, cut to Jeff Hardy, who is <laughs> he's carrying a ladder attached to his fucking head. Amazing. Try- Amazing. Dude, like it's just my God, you're expecting this guy to just slip and the ear just rips off and Hardy starts attacking AJ with like it's the most insane visual having this ladder so attached to him. Meanwhile, these two are tied up together. Sami Zayn brings out the key and unlocks the handcuffs as AJ and Jeff are wrapped up together. And Zane climbs up to grab the belt 26 minutes and 42 seconds. I will say this was like the most creative end to a ladder match I've ever seen before. Um, Mm-hmm. It was it was nuts, and these two. I mean, they also punished themselves quite quite a lot in yeah. in the mat, in the span of this. This went a lot longer than I expected. It was twenty
0: six minutes, and you know what? Like twenty six minutes of like thoroughly engaging stuff. I thought this match was awesome. It's not easy to like find a new spin on a gimmick as common and as overused as a ladder match these days. But I thought there was a great deal of cre- deal of creativity here. Um, the idea to again use <laughs> to cuff Jeff's earlobe to a ladder. And I think Zami Zayn's excellent execution of, like, you know, not just cuffing himself to AJ mid-move, but then um, having to uncuff himself on top of a ladder, like, that took a great deal of execution and precision on his part. It was a really well-conceived stunt and, uh, again, very well executed. To me, um, you know, you and I had wondered, hey, like... These guys aren't necessarily like you know too young anymore. How much punishment are they going to take in a match like this? We thought that they would take it more of a a you know, psychological route, um, and they did by the end. But like this match was not without its risk at all. There's a great deal of violence here, um, but to me, like what makes this ladder match stand out and what'll make make it be be a remembered match by the end of the year, maybe even years from now, is the cleverness of the finish. So great job there. I also wanted to say I thought the announcers. Did a great job here. I thought Michael Cole does, is, is somebody who doesn't nearly get enough credit. I thought he was fantastic in this match. And the crowd sweetening, you know, as much as I think, like, people might complain about sort of the artificiality of it. Can you imagine this match without it? You know,
1: no, we, we saw it at WrestleMania and it sucked. Like they, they, Those guys killed each other. They had a great match. But I just I was so I just hated watching these guys killing each other to silence. Mm-hmm. It
0: wouldn't have worked. Um, the the audio noise, it, I think they've, they've done a better job of it. It's been sounding more natural lately. And I think it is absolutely necessary for these matches.
1: R-Truth was in disguise backstage and he goes into the referee's lounge and he starts arguing with them. And meanwhile, out in the, in the lobby or the area there, Drew Gulak is warming up. For what? We don't know. But... He would later explain that you've always got to be alert, and I guess in your gear. So he ends up coming from behind and rolling up R-Truth, and Drake Younger counts three, and R-Truth loses the title to Drew Gulak.
0: With the threat that the belt is moving to SmackDown?
1: What a threat. I'm sure Raw is just um, in peril as we speak, coming up with, uh, well, their contingency plan would play itself out later in the evening. The raw commentary team is reunited. Samoa Joe is back with Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton. Mm -hmm. And that took us to Oscar Zelina Vega for the raw women's title moved up from the kickoff show. Vega. I thought they, they were very smart here. Vega snapped Oscar's left arm and that became the, the her target throughout the, the, the match for the length that they had on the floor. Vega like lured Oscar in and grabbed her by the arm, sending her into the steps And then Vega countered the Oscar lock kicking out of the corner, going back to the arm bar. Uh, Vega did this roll into a kick, getting her like one big near fall. And then she went almost for like a European clutch Mm -hmm. and it's instantly countered by Oscar into the Oscar lock for the instant tap at seven minutes and six seconds. What I liked about this was that Zelina Vega, like this was a very smart structured match for Zelina Vega that, let's we don't have to be more ambitious than we need to we can have this is what you can do well let's work around that and I, I would say this greatly exceeded my expectations I thought Zelina Vega uh, looked very good here and I thought that was a question mark for sure going in I mean I thought this was actually
0: pretty, like plenty ambitious you know like this was yes it was Asuka on the other end but Zelina controlled this match she nobody expected anything from this and <laughs> To put this on a pay-per-view, they must have known something that we didn't, because I thought this resulted in a breakout performance from Zelina Vega. She was put in probably the highest-profile match of her life, and I thought she had a perfect performance here. The arm work was on point. It was very tight, very technical. Um, I was very impressed with her.
1: Yeah, I think this, uh, again, exceeded expectations. and. Charlie then interviewed Oscar. She called Vega a firecracker because she's small and dangerous, but she was not ready for Oscar. And she offers her hand to Vega. Vega won't shake it, but instead bows down before she attacks Oscar with a cheap shot. So I got the impression that they'll probably, if I I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a feud that continues. It's very well. These two could get separated at the draft, but I think we get a rematch maybe even tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, I would say so. And I definitely wouldn't be complaining about it after seeing the results here. Um, I mean, honestly, I was kind of blown away by like how good Selena was.
1: Bobby Lashley, Apollo Cruz for the United States title. Cruz Crew, uh, cut a promo earlier in the day, vowing to become a two-time champion. Lashley was out there with MVP. Uh, Bobby uh, Apollo Cruz came out with Ricochet, and Cruz had the advantage early on until he didn't. He got. Uh, his offense in hit a standing moonsault and then landed on his feet coming off the shoulders of Lashley and hit a splash from the top, only getting a two count. Lashley slammed him the hurt lock and submitted him in eight minutes and 15 seconds. This was just there.
0: It was decent. Uh, It was very hard hitting, but unfortunately it feels very insignificant in terms of even storyline. Other than, I guess the idea to cement the, you know, the fact that in a one-on-one situation, Apollo Crews clearly could not beat Bobby Lashley. Oh, so, it's cemented. Yeah, so I would say, like coming off of this, I mean, I it, it you would assume that maybe Apollo and Ricochet will be recruiting somebody else to help them, but the draft is coming, and you have to also anticipate at least some of these people being broken up from the other. So, uh, this might be the end of, uh, end of the line for Apollo Cruz, and that would be terribly disappointing. You know, after all the time that they put into the guy, um, if this was the end of this program where he just like gets kind of pretty much like swept under the rug by no, Bobby. You can't. Lashley, you
1: can't continue at this like you need something major to advance this yeah. because this has been beaten into the ground. I'll I'll say this. And it's like my one critique of the ladder match that we saw earlier. And it's directly like what Jeff Hardy was so able to build, like make a name for himself along with that, that whole group in 2000. It's that, you know, they, they had a great match tonight, but did any one of those three, necessarily need it, And this comes at a time where, man, look at some of this talent that you have that are just so struggling and to have an opportunity, like imagine a, a ricochet with like some thought out program that culminates with, you know, a buddy Murphy or an Alistair black, and they get to have that blow blow out performance using, a, using a ladder. And that becomes a big, a big moment for them in their careers because it's like this next grouping of talent it's i just see so many guys floundering in these positions
0: yeah yeah i mean um it's been a number of like false starts i would say for apollo cruz and it looked really promising this summer and you know the storyline is not over yet you would hope that they've got something for him but after tonight i'm not really sure ricochet i can see them moving him to smackdown for a fresh start i mean the guy is in sore need of one
1: So then the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. I guess this this show had over-delivered for you at this point. So what was your mindset when these four were walking out?
0: I was in a really good mood, honestly, like up until this point. So my my mind is always open because like as bad as the stories are, I think in ring when you leave it to the performers themselves, like barring, you know, any like dumb finishes, they can usually deliver. So I I was still pretty open-minded.
1: Garza and Andrade got the heat on Montez Ford at the beginning. They made one hot tag to Dawkins. Then they like hit a reset. They got the heat on Ford again and built up to a tag to Dawkins. Uh, Garza tagged himself in hitting a one man Spanish fly to Ford off the top turnbuckle. Well, it and like then, he landed on his
0: head almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah. Uh, what uh, he he did the one man Spanish fly, but then it was afterward where he hits this like running knee strike to Ford and he instantly goes down and you can see like his left leg is injured yeah, to to some degree. And he just uh, communicates to the referee. The referee puts up the X and Garza tags himself out and rolls to the floor. And that's what the last we see of him. Um, And then they kind of just go into this finish where Dawkins gets the tag and hits his spine buster the anointment and is covering andrade the referee counts three when it was very clear that andrade had kicked out but the announcers called it as a kick out but it was the finish and the street profits retained the tag titles in eight minutes 14 seconds uh i haven't heard an update on garza uh, but i was told by one person that the street profits were always supposed to win so it wasn't like this uh changed the finish or anything like that but Uh, Obviously, an injury to Garza, hopefully not a major one.
0: It was a very similar situation to the way we saw them treat the injury to Ivar on Raw, where a decision was made to end the match early due to a legitimate injury. Um, And I guess it not necessarily communicated to the participants, perhaps only communicated uh, to the referee. I mean, not even communicated to the the ringside announcers, it seems. So um, I think between this between Ivar between what we saw with Mickey James lately they have been several, there have been several inter, um, instances as of late where it seems like they are being overly cautious about injuries uh you know to the detriment of the story of the match i suppose but all in all this is a good sign it's the right decision was made here it's always better to be safe than sorry cuz a match you can always do a rematch of no matter what um I would say, you know, I'm happy to see all this from the WWE. Of course, you know, artistically, it's too bad. Because I thought this was turning into an excellent match. You could tell Dawkins was pissed off about it because I think he was really feeling it. Um, But I'll also say, like, despite how sick I am of the feud, you leave these four men just like... Their raw talent is so strong. it, It turned into really a good showcase for the four of them. So, it's too bad about the weird finish, but... You know what? It, they needed a reason to run this back for a ninth time on TV, I think. So the Street Profits are, what, eight zero and one against this team now? I think so. And, of course, we don't have an update on Garza, so who knows if they can even do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully by tomorrow we'll we'll get an update on Garza. But, yeah, the trainers were out tending to him. Uh, they, he was briefly shown on camera on the floor, but they, they never acknowledged the injury later in the show. Then they announced the draft, which will happen over two nights, Friday, October 9th on SmackDown, and Monday, October 11th on Raw. So that's a week and a half?
0: Uh, yeah, just uh, just under two weeks. Yeah, so we got two Raws, one SmackDown. Correct. Yeah.
1: Caleb Braxton interviewed Drew Gulak. He said he was doing his lunges because you always have to be alert, and he seized the moment, and... He dedicated his title win to a Kira Tozawa who is eaten by a shark. So this is confirmed now in storyline. The man was eaten by a shark. He's believed to be at least oh. in the universe. Yeah, he could always turn you, up. You think he he could have, he could be out there.
0: They didn't confirm anything
1: else. Just, I guess the idea that he was known to have been eaten. Yeah. So then R-Truth attacked him from behind and pinned him for the title. So the 24-7 title is not going to SmackDown. Remember all that
0: great work Daniel Bryan did to get this Drew Gulak to be taken seriously? Barely. Now he's just, you know, falling back to obscurity, no longer on TV,
1: and I mean... I literally thought he was going to thank his mentor, Daniel Bryan, and that was going to start the tease of when's Bryan going to come back. Uh, And then he said he's dedicating it to the man who was eaten by a fish.
0: No, he was used as a punchline instead. So um, who knows what the draft will mean for a guy like that. Um,
1: but That's a good reintroduction yeah. for Brian. If they just announce he's drafted to Raw, for instance.
0: If Brian's ready to come back, we I guess we don't even know.
1: Bailey comes out with her chair, and she laughs about Nikki Cross being forced to forfeit the match. She is the most dominant champion in WWE, and she's going to give an opportunity to any superstar. Anyone? Anyone? Nope. And she declares herself the winner, and she goes to celebrate. When Asuka's music plays, she comes out, and just like that, we have an impromptu <laughs> unification match, I guess. It was both titles, they explained. So... Um, did they call this? It was a SmackDown women's title match, It was match, for the SmackDown so, title. Yeah, so, so it, was, if Asuka
0: won, it would be unification.
1: Right. Bailey stops Asuka's momentum and goes after the arm that Vega had weakened earlier. And then Asuka gets yanked to the floor. But before anything can happen, Bailey takes a German suplex on the floor, gets a chair, and attacks Asuka for the cheap DQ. Uh, nothing match. And really, they were just segueing to the angle.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah they they could have just not done a match period but um,
1: i don't know why they did the match i don't know why you just didn't have sasha show up uh an attacker
0: i guess you needed a reason for Bayley to turn her back that was a bit more of a surprise maybe there was just you know um they wanted to really stick to the idea of all championships being defended on this show perhaps you know um i well, they already couldn't do that
1: with the women's tag titles
0: yeah, yeah, but this is one of the main titles, and Bailey's on all all over like the the promotional material. She was in the opening video, so maybe that was why. I mean, as far as the choice of Asuka goes, I I, I thought it was a tough situation that they found themselves in, and really like who else could you have put on that roster that would have elicited any sort of interest to maintain people for five minutes? Um, well,
1: especially if if you're looking on your SmackDown roster, I mean, nobody. you have it's Alexa, it's Lacey Evans. And Tamina, those are the options. Well, so Lacey's
0: a heel. Alexa's is currently involved in the thing with the fiend, and who? Who's yeah. the last
1: one? Tamina or Carmella? Tamina, yeah, and, Car- and Carmella, you're introducing with this new character. So mm, yeah. yeah, you didn't really have a long list of, of people. Um, yeah, it was a nothing match. I just it, just it was to just, set up the Sasha thing. I mean, it was it was under four minutes. Uh, they also called Bailey the chairwoman of SmackDown. So, LA Park look out uh banks shows up and attacks bailey on the floor and brings her into the ring uh she gets kicked down and is selling the neck but comes back and attacks her with kendo stick shots which are the weapon of choice makes me think that they're coming out with a wwe kendo stick toy and banks takes the chair and bailey retreats to the floor um you know i i know that uh, barring my idea of they get separated in the draft and Banks has to work her way to a title shot. I think this is happening in four weeks way. I think so too.
0: Um, I think it has to at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know if you keep them on the same brand, honestly, like with, I think, uh, things building are building as much of a head as they have, like it, it feels like a blow off would indicate that they would be switching brands and being separated. So it might be a situation where they're both drafted like hell in a cell is going to be interesting. Cause it's like, how are they going to build to these programs over the next two weeks while um, having a pay-per-view where a lot of the roster will be split up it, will it kind of be that awkward transition like we've had where, you know, guys are not going to be in the same show after this pay-per-view, but for this pay-per-view that this to come together one last time.
1: Yeah. It's going to be one of those confusing pay-per-view cycles because you got, you got to do all the, the draft and then, have programs that you start building you would think this week for hell in a cell and on probably separate shows ha- yeah it's like do the changes going to affect immediately are we just gonna have people popping up on both shows i mean it's it's going to be one of those cycles mm-hmm. ambulance match drew mcintyre and randy ordens match. john the the slambulance match um were you surprised this was uh going on second to last i definitely was um I I mean I
0: think you know I this this Roman Reigns Jey Uso thing has been um awesome on TV and I would assume that they themselves recognized that or maybe they had just seen seen the matches on paper and realized you know what you could have made an argument for either cuz they were
1: both story heavy matches that I think could have ended the the show but e- either one had the ability to end the show I would say like if nothing else that was a sign of Smackdown program being the hotter one because this was like the ultimate blow off this ambulance match with the baby face winning definitively yep. that easily could have ended the show. This was not one of those where, Oh, you just couldn't end the show because of this finish. Um, yep. I, I think this was really just a sign that we're going to go with the, the hotter program that was Reigns and Jay Uso. And I can't say they made the wrong choice at all. It makes me wonder like when this, this decision might've been made,
0: you know, was it made prior to this week or did Friday's segment really take it over the top? And on that same note, The chronicle that they did on Jey Uso is absolutely fantastic. Um, Mm. Even though the pay per view is over, like I would still recommend people go and check it out because I thought it was like the best, you know, twenty four seven type of countdown show that they've ever, one of the best ones that they've ever done on a singularly focused person heading into a title match. It it was fantastic. Just drew on a great deal of history between the two. Um, But you know, without a doubt, this was the best built program on this show
1: certainly yeah like that that promo on friday got such great reviews like it was a real home run segment from all involved but we go to the ambulance match that i think has certainly kind of sputtered this this program has sputtered over the last month just with um you know the different ways that they've gone and keith lee's involvement with this as well so they explain that the only way to win is placing your opponent into the ambulance and shutting the doors Right away, Orton hits a draping DDT and Drew is selling his jaw. And Randy is teasing the punt kick when a man grabs him by the foot. And it's not retribution. It's retro big show and a clean shaven big show. And this was our first of several cameos, which I noted were the only cameos WWE performers could take part in. Oh, is that official
0: now? No more WWE cameos?
1: Well, it doesn't seem to be uh, something that they're going to... I mean, they're, they're doing those virtual meet and greets now, so right. I, don't, I, I wouldn't imagine that cameos are going to be a, a thing of the future. Um, yeah, what I wanted to know is,
0: like, I could see Akira Tozawa sneaking in, I could see like, any member of Retribution possibly sneaking in unnoticed. How does the big show get by all those layers of security? How does the big show manage to sneak up next to the ring without being noticed? Without being tested, that was the other question. Did he even get tested?
1: yeah um, I mean it's really hard to get into a close set like that these days and not be and uh, not uh and be discreet about it so big show made it in though, and McIntyre takes Orton towards the ambulance and runs him into it, and orton. <laughs> We, we had, of course, uh, a steel chair that was inside of the ambulance that Drew McIntyre attacked Orton with. Orton used crutches. It was,
0: it was a red chair with a white cross on it, so you know it's from the hospital.
1: Clearly, yes. Uh, so they fought into the ambulance. Orton kicks him away, and then <laughs> Drew sets up for a Claymore with Orton at the side of the ambulance. He misses Orton, and Claymore kicks the door off of this ambulance. Yeah. I don't think this is
0: a feature of the Um, but I'm sure you can alter it and
1: modify it. I don't know if this is where your head went, but when I see a severed door in a WWE setting, I think of Brock Lesnar nearly giving a fan uh, a gift to take home when he launched that door off the car into the crowd. Remember yeah, that? I do. Of course. A classic moment. So they go backstage and they're fighting in the catering area when all of a sudden Christian shows up and he attacks Randy and they return to the ambulance. Orton takes uh, McIntyre onto the hood of the ambulance and smashes him into the windshield. Uh, They're on the roof and Orton suddenly gets hit with the ghost of Christmas past. Shawn Michaels popping up out of nowhere, super kicks Orton and knocks him off of the ambulance uh, to his death McIntyre comes back and at this point like they've they've done the teases and I think at this point everyone's starting to think his Edge showing up
0: sure yeah I mean you knew the rest of them were coming but I was definitely curious to see how they would integrate Rick if at all um edge to me was like a maybe as well
1: uh, McIntyre carries him towards the back of the ambulance and Orton hits him with an RKO out of nowhere. He's put into the ambulance, shuts one door, but he waits for the second door and he goes for uh, McIntyre, stops him from shutting it. Looked like uh, the poster from the shining gouges Orton in the eyes. And then McIntyre gets out of the ambulance, hits a claymore and then hangs Orton out of the ambulance and hits the punt kick places Orton into the ambulance Shuts the two doors and drew McIntyre wins in 21 minutes and 44 seconds. Uh, I thought this was like a clear definitive end to the feud. I don't think you have any more juice left in this one. Like this was as definitive as you're going to get. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I thought they managed to create a real sense of finality to the program that we don't often get in wrestling. You know, often like things are kind of left open ended unless you're maybe talking about a WrestleMania. But even then we get rematches like the next month after a backlash this one felt like it was the season finale to I would say the excellent summer performance, for the most part, of this Randy Orton character. Um all of the ghosts of like, you know, Randy Orton's past made appearances here. Um as a match itself, I thought it was as violent as you would expect of a stipulation match like this. It was a hell of a commercial for the slam so I'm sure they're gonna sell plenty of these uh in the next day already. Um and it also turned into like a great bit of like you know, little bits of revenge for everybody that he had wronged. And I especially love the flair integration at the end here.
1: Yeah, I I like the fact that they did these cameos and didn't do Edge, who's probably physically not up to doing anything physical right now. But it, it at least puts Edge in the back of your mind that I think, mm-hmm. you know, at some point he's going to return and go after Randy Orton. And that at least puts that that thought into your head. Um, Ed- Edge's payback is... No
0: pun intended. Like it's way bigger than you know, a simple cameo in a match like this. He's got his yeah. own story. You know, it's not just him attacking Randy Orton and catering. Hey, I got my revenge. I can move on. Like Randy Orton or Edge. Edge's Ed, like, um, like revenge will probably be like something akin to like a WrestleMania program.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, I so hope that they don't try and do this at Hell in a Cell, which is my concern. What Edge? Or no. Randy Orton and Drew, yeah, some involvement. Whether it's like Drew has to be in something big at Hell in a Cell, mm. so who, who are you have gonna to put this Drew? guy with? Oh, but does it have to be Drew? Your WWE champion? They've like done, he's going to be on. He's going to be on that pay per view. They've done defenses
0: without the championship before. They put like the tag titles.
1: Well, you need you to get someone ready champions. quick. Well, I guess you can uh, come up with another challenger uh, of some Keith sort. Flea, I guess. Oh God, I don't want to see that either. Um. afterwards it's revealed that Ric Flair is in the driver's seat and drives off with the ambulance with Randy Orton in the back I don't yeah. know where they went though probably
0: like a few feet forward <laughs> and then that was it Uh, yeah I love the Flair integration it was like I mean it was safe it was like a great punchline to end the whole thing and like you got a bit of Flair attitude driving like it, I thought it was all very,
1: very cleverly done then they ran the promo hell in a cell is sunday october 25th and that takes us to the main event roman reigns J. uso for the universal title and after almost eight years roman reigns vest is no more
0: he said he would debut a new look and i guess his new look is his bare chest because i mean this dude is ripped like everybody showing off their quarantine bodies
1: lately yes the man the man officially divested. Yes, he did. Uh, Jay comes out. He's got like... Uh, he's He's got one of those like uh, lays on. And I didn't give it too much thought, but it ended up being like a great part of the post-match at the end as well. And he's coming out and it's like, man, could you imagine with like a full crowd for this? I could. At the same time, then like...
0: You, I don't know, like I feel like a crowd might have like cheered for Roman here at the end. you it know, could might have, have might have kind of ruined the moment in a storytelling sense, but um, yeah, could you imagine if he was like doing the ground and pound at the end and one more time, one more that would time. be I mean that would suck, but like that's it's also incredibly highly possible that
1: that could have happened, yeah, we're never letting fans back that's that's the that's the conclusion well, we're after making, making match. everybody shut up, yeah, you're. you're You can come, but you must be muted. Uh, Reigns was, listen, Jay was very good playing his role in this match, but man, no one was touching Roman Reigns. He was phenomenal from start to finish. Just his trash talk. The announcers are explaining that Jay is so over his head and he's getting beaten down early on. Jay eventually gets some offense in, and as he teases the running hip attack, he gets nailed with a Superman punch. Reigns is just beating the piss out of him. He's yelling, there are levels to this. Jay got this rep- reprieve, shoving Reigns into the corner and then fires up with suicide dives and then super kicks and got a couple of near falls. Reigns digging down deep. I guess since he's now gone, the rough rider was fair game because Roman busted out Zack Ryder's old move. Like a vulnerable. radio radio silence now. Of all the moves to take, I'm I'm actually surprised. I mean, it's
0: not like he specifically took Zack Ryder's, you know, move, but like, or like he took it because of Zack Ryder or anything, but I, I, I don't really think it's a great looking move, honestly. Um, but it is like another one of these like Superman punch or, you know, uh, what is it phenomenal forearm types of moves that you can execute to anybody of any size from a sudden position. He needed something different for a heel, um, I like that idea in and of itself. The fact that when a heel turns, or when somebody turns heel, that they change a bit of their moveset too. Um, don't love it, but at the same time, it's like all moves can get over. You just have to have the right people, you know, selling it.
1: Jay comes back. He hits another super kick and a splash off the top for a big near fall, and then all of a sudden, Jay is in pain, and they show this replay. And Jay lands the splash, and the way he lands, Roman's forearm is between his legs. So when he kicks out, he totally just low blows the guy. What a clever spot! I thought this was a genius spot. What I liked even
0: more, like, was how they managed to, because like, there's a bit of deniability, right? Oh, okay, did he do it by accident, and the announcers, you know, sold it as such. But then you see the look on the close up on Roman's face as he smiles that fucking smirk. As if to indicate that it was intentional. That I thought was very
1: smart. It was uh, one of my favorite spots of this match. Reigns, the last like eight minutes of this are just, they're tremendous. Reigns goes to the corner. He hits the spear, but he's not going for the cover because he's not ready yet. He's telling Jay, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. Call me chief. Then he takes Jay by the face. He's all beaten down. Look into my camera. This is my WWE. He hits him with a second spear. Then he's on top and he's just laying in with ground and pound to the point that Charles Robinson is trying to pull him off and Reigns gets into Charles Robinson's face. He says, listen, prick, I run this place. You will be fired in one second. Don't ever stop me from doing my work. So then as Jay is getting killed, Jimmy Uso Limps down the ring and he's got the towel. Guess he's a licensed cornerman here. Jay is protesting as Reigns is attacking with more. Jimmy's asking, What are you doing this for? Jay doesn't want him to throw in the towel. And Reigns just rains down strikes on Jay until Jimmy has to throw the towel in at 22 minutes and 58 seconds. Just an incredibly well done match uh, with, with everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had wondered going into this if it was just going to be a simple squash. I think with a, whether or not they ever even considered it, I'm my assumption is that no, is that the answer is no. Because, I mean, but regardless, the, 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 the reaction to the build and the storyline was so strong. You had a great opportunity here to really make something out of Jey Uso. And not only that, but to really make Roman a next level heel, which I thought they accomplished, accomplished with both. Like Jay Uso was booked to have like a big memorable underdog story here. I would say, I don't think anybody really like bought the fact that like he was actually going to win it all, but I thought they made their best attempt. Um, and I think the best part of it certainly was once Jimmy Uso came out, the final, final moments of this match I thought were tremendously successful. Like it, Jimmy coming out with the towel, he's no Martha Hart at survivor series 94. Um, but I thought he did a very good job, you know, helped create some awesome tension in those final moments. And again, really just continuing to sell the idea that this Roman Reigns is a completely rebranded version of himself. Now is a completely vicious, evil heel. So, you know, the last two matches, I would say, uh, are very sports entertainment types of matches. And maybe your enjoyment of it is going to depend on how accepting you are of, of sports entertainment. But... If you're a WWE fan, I would say you're probably open to it at the very least because some of the best things about their matches in their history has been matches of this style. You know, same thing we love about like Hogan and Savage. Same thing we love about like Sean and Rick. You know, Martha uh, uh, Brett versus Bob Backlund, like, which is one of my favorite matches. You had great storytelling in here. So... It wasn't so much maybe a straight bell-to-bell match. Not at all. Um, And it was more maybe heavy on the movie like storytelling. Even though there are no cinematic matches on the show, um, they are definitely taking advantage of being able to play with the crowd's audio because in this match, you had pretty much like full scripts of dialogue that Roman Reigns is reading out loud here.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like a lot of uh, dialogue from Roman Reigns, but I just thought the whole demeanor that he displayed – You know, you you go to the point like, man, this this Roman Reigns taking on The Undertaker a few years ago at WrestleMania. um, But Mm. again, I I definitely question like how long this character would stay uh, a heel if you had audiences at all these pay-per-views because uh, people are going to get behind this Roman Reigns character at, at a certain point, but he has been excellent. Um, he's
0: finally got the edge that I think he so sorely needed as a, as a baby face. Um, and more, more, more so than that, I would say creatively, the man so, feels so incredibly creatively stimulated. You know, He's cutting promos on his own on Twitter as this character. And this is just a storyline that just felt, was, was like so rooted in reality. I mean, we're talking a lifetime between these 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 two, that in four short weeks they managed to create one of the best storylines of the year. Um, almost a bit of a shame that it had to end so quickly, but I mean, I thought it really did end on a really strong note.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I thought this was a, a, gr- a great job by everyone involved, and a very a very good pay per view from the WWE on Sunday night. I think you had you know the the ambulance match I thought it was a fun match. They they worked it well. The main event was tremendous. Uh, The latter match, I think a lot of people were were very happy with. And you had Lena
0: Vega look good. Like, who would have thought that?
1: mm -hmm, Yeah. Like, I I thought there was, like, a lull in the middle of this show that it was just, um, you know, matches that were there for the concept of what this pay-per-view was. And that that does go to the build-up to this show that I... I still maintain it was a very poor buildup top to bottom on this show save Mm. for the the main event like i think orton and drew mcintyre certainly lost their momentum along the way but um yeah if you decided to check out this show i think you would have been pleasantly surprised with the quality that they put out
0: i think you know for the top programs they had some really good ideas um but for the rest of it, it was really reliant upon the roster to deliver, and you certainly had that in the latter match. You had that throughout the, the undercard as well. Um, to me, it kind of continues the trend this year of like, despite the TV being bad, these pay per views, you know, what it's left to bell to bell action, and you know when they do take storyline seriously and give you something uh, wildly entertaining, um, even in the form of a cinematic match or in the main events that we saw today they're they're good these pay-per-views are good but the tvs maybe not so much
1: all right well we're going to open up the phone lines uh if you want to chat about clash of champions uh we will be taking your calls and going to the forum uh to get everyone's feedback to well we will see if it was a
0: well-received show or not. We are taking calls via Zoom uh, once again, so log in using the information that is listed right there in the video description or in the email that's uh, that you would have received. And once you're in the chat room, just raise your hand, and I'll take your call.
1: All right, we go to the forum, and tonight's show at forum.postwrestling.com gets a
0: 6.54. Yeah, uh, I honestly thought it was way better than that, but... I mean, I think build and interest definitely might have a big effect on it. So let's see what people have to say.
1: Uh, let's start, start off. Uh, I'll start here. Uh, y- you go ahead. You go ahead. All right. We got a, uh, this person,
0: James, who says, Hello, John Way as a new cafe member for the G1 Climax coverage. I might as well share my thoughts on this show. Between the NFL late games and the Eastern Conference Finals, the Clash of Champions, there was so much going on at one point that I thought Bam Adebayo and Enos Cantor, we're going to wrestle for the U.S. title tonight. Thankfully, unlike Waze boys, Clash of Champions didn't cost me any money. Take that for what you will. Um, I'm going to have to speed through some of this because he gave a lot of detailed thoughts here. He says, Randy Orton's entrance was so long, I literally fed my cat, talked to my niece. Uh, Reigns' Uso was a great match, but the final stretch went a bit long. Reigns' facials were a bit over the top, but his mannerisms telling Uso, not today's son, combined with Uso's comeback, was great. I was surprised to learn there's a ref's lounge. Okay. Uh, All in all, seven out of 10 pay-per-view.
1: All right. We continue on and we'll go to Dave. Unfortunately, I was only able to catch the main event. Uh, I only have one match to comment on and it was a story. It was storytelling at its best. Roman is the best heel in the business. I'm sure you guys will talk about it anyways, but where does he go from here? Unless Jimmy is cleared, I can't see this continuing much longer, even though this is the best storyline in WWE right now. Uh, I was upset there was no Brandon from New Jersey on Rewind to SmackDown this week. Are you okay? Hopefully we hear from him tonight. Well, we can only hope so. Um, Roman, coming out of this show, where do you see some of the options for him?
0: I mean, they're already throwing teases into The Fiend. So if we're going to get a Hell in a Cell match, um, it would you would assume that it might be somebody like the fiend versus Roman reigns, uh, as a next program.
1: So that would be my guess. Oh, I don't know if that's the best direction to go. I mean, of course there's the caveat of the, of the draft, if that could change things, but I mean, depending on. Yeah. I I think that there's certainly, there's definitely more juice in, in this program. Like I, I think you can get a lot more out of Jay, And the eventual Jimmy return like there's certainly stuff you can go to there. And in the meantime, finding, you know, a a baby face to feud with, whether that's Bray Wyatt or someone else.
0: I would absolutely love to see a chapter two in this because, I mean, the family's much bigger and I assume, you know, at some point. The, of course, the rumor is oh, The Rock versus Roman at some point. I, don't, I mean, I don't think The Rock's going to have a match, but you can have some involvement. You can have Roman, The Rock, come in for at least a promo or a video from home if he's going to send Ken Shamrock a video. I assume he'll probably make some time for um, uh, Roman Reigns and Vince. Uh, but I think you also take a break from it. You know, this was at a, such an emotional high and what the beatdown, what it was here. There was a finality to it that I think you need to let it. You need to let it rest for a bit before revisiting. So I hope they do that. Let's go to our first phone call here. Hansi, you're on the line. What's yes.
2: Up? What's going on, guys? Uh, well, the, you know, I I gotta say that um, the I think uh, the the first match and then the last two matches were probably um, the matches that I liked the Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. We can. Yeah. Yep. okay no because it just went it went blank for a second sorry my bad no but I, yeah I, I, as you guys are saying the storytelling with that match was like so incredible i thought jay like whether uh jay i said whether jay uso loses or wins he was kind of a made guy tonight i think like uh you know i i couldn't imagine that like i always thought that jimmy uso would be like the main singles guy if they got a singles push but i actually liked how like all of this kind of played out and uh I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm. I don't. I, I'm not looking forward to a Fiend match. I hope they continue this for a bit. Um, if they want to go to a Fiend match, I would say you can go to a Survivor Series at some point. Maybe just do it there. But like, I don't know. I just think next pay per view they should be doing. I think Jey Uso should uh, uh, get another shot. I was gonna say Jimmy Uso should, but I know he's not. A, he's not, he's not going to be clear until, like, January or something like that. So I, I just thought the pay-per-view was really good. Sami Zayn, uh, that was the most clever thing I've ever seen in my life, man. I was losing my mind watching that. Sami Zayn is the greatest uh, – the, he's the greatest heel, in my opinion, right now. You know what I mean? And before I go, I just want to say I, 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 I'm I kind of disappointed with the whole Sasha and Bailey thing because I would have just had Sasha just kind of – not be, got, not be there until, like, maybe the build of Survivor Series. I know they probably want to do a Hell in the Cell or something like that, but I don't know. I just thought that her coming back, I, I didn't really think that it was that great. You know what I mean? I, I'm looking forward to the feud. I just didn't think that she should have come back or had an interview from, like, the previous weeks or even coming back tonight. That's, and I'll leave you guys with that. Thank you for taking my call.
1: Thank no you, Ronzi. Thank you.
0: I mean, as far as, like, Hell in a Cell goes, I mean, that would certainly be the other program, wouldn't it? Sasha Bailey.
1: Oh, Sasha Bailey. I, I think that that happens at hell in a cell. I think based on tonight, I mean, we've done three attack angles now with mm-hmm. in the past I mean, In the hell weeks. in a cell. A
0: cell yeah. That's what I'm cell. saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't see them holding off on that. So I, I, I earmark that as one. And I mean, we'll see. I, I never feel you need to have multiple hell in a cell matches. It just seems that's been their MO to do two on these shows. So it doesn't have to be both. Um, Reigns is not needed to do a Hell in a Cell match. Um, if you feel you have to have two, then, I mean, it's probably Drew and someone. But, I mean, if it's not Randy, no one else is ready. And Hell in a Cell is not where you start a program. So it's, it's one of those awkward pay-per-views. I, I would be just happy if they did, just kept it to the one. Another question is, what happens
0: to Jey Uso following this? Do you go with him as a singles competitor, or do you set him out until
1: Jimmy's ready? Um. Yeah, it's a tough question because I don't know how you follow up on this in a in a meaningful way that you know he should kind of sell this beat down as well and not just pop right back up. Um, but yeah, that that's it. It becomes tricky. I, I think if you're going to continue this, and to me, this was like so perfect of Roman beating him, but it's not the kind of program to me that feels like one that you prolong. Um, no. So th- it's it's going to be tough how they balance that. Like you've just invested a lot in jay uso he's gotten over uh how do you capitalize on that and i i don't know if the the answer is just you know you extend this to another match with roman reigns because y- you've set the bar pretty high to try and top what you did tonight what more are you accomplishing with a second win other than diminishing jay um so uh, mm-hmm. it, it's tricky i don't really have an easy answer
0: my like gut tells me that he's gonna stick around but like kind of be involved in sort of like this the ricochet you know Cedric Alexander level um, uh, that would be unfortunate if that's where he is in two months. It would be um, but it's better than I think where he was at, which was not being on TV at all. Um, I think that I would see them you know looking at him as like another hand that they feel the need to use but don't necessarily know what to do with you know people on the level of like a shorty shorty G unfortunately uh somebody there to i would say like you know as a coalition of uh, as as a part of a coalition of babyfaces against the hurt business perhaps he might find a role um but i i honestly like i know it's sort of like you know we kind of joke with ricochet but it really is a miracle that jay uso even had this shot even had this main event against roman reigns so um if he wasn't doing this i guess he would just be sitting out entirely so I think that does it. No more phone calls, no more feedback. So that means we'll probably sign off until tomorrow.
1: We're going to be back on Monday night with rewind to raw, but um, for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be stacked weeks of shows. We've got a uh, rewind to raw on Monday. Then Tuesday, it's our brand split. I'm going to be covering the G one with Benno. We'll have a podcast out for the post wrestling cafe members way. We'll be doing rewind away with Nate Milton And Chris from L.A., and what is on tap for Tuesday's review?
0: We will be talking about WCW Slam Jam Volume 1, which is their compilation of entrance themes from the early 90s. Um, A lot of feedback already for this one. So if you have any fond memories or if you want to listen to it, you can just find our feedback thread, or you can just go on YouTube. Look up WCW Slam Jam Volume 1. It's up there for your listening pleasure. Um, We're going to talk about some pretty classic themes here. Mr. Bang Bang, Steinerized... Uh, some real, real gems that I'll be really looking forward to talking with uh, Nate and Chris from L.A., who have, they've told me that this is a, a, a CD that they talk about a lot in their private lives anyway. So I'm looking forward to seeing all they have to talk about. Um, before we go, let's go to one more phone call here because this person just stepped up. Uh, we go to Chris Thunder from Down Under, who I guess is staying up tonight. Uh, or what time is it over there, Chris? uh one uh one p.m oh it's, okay.
1: it's fine just a middle of the day pay-per-view <laughs>
0: hey i understand you were a part of the uh, up next uh watch along today uh sort of it sort of didn't go ahead right right okay because davy said that there was a power outage as well but didn't you and like john ceno end up like starting a zoom call or something yeah john ceno organized a uh, zoom call and we sort of did a impromptu watch along
1: which was lots of fun yeah. that's a retribution was tonight the bde hey what did you think of the (laughs) pay-per-view yeah um really enjoyed the main
0: event i did watch the chronicles special i thought that helped a lot going into the main event and the ladder match i thought was really good but Mm. the build for most of this pay-per-view was sort of lacking for the rest of the card Oh, it was abysmal for the most part. I mean, we're talking about matches that were thrown together on the last episode without any real storyline. Zelina, for as much as I praised her tonight, like had no reason at all storyline wise. Same with Angel Garza and Andrade. That was a total fuck up. Um, I think you know it's a terrible. It's terrible that, that like for for whatever reason that they're off the card. But I think Nia and Shayna that match not taking place on this show. Um, you know, it even if it it might have been a good match, but. I had certainly no interest for it. And I don't think the show was hurt by its uh, its absence at all.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. And we were
0: sort of just trying to remember in the watch uh, along, when was the last time Zelina even had a singles match apart from the um, Bianca Belway stuff earlier this
1: year? Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been few and far between, but I thought she did uh, very, very good with the, with the platform that she had tonight. So um, pleasantly surprised with that match. Cool. Thanks for the great work, as always, guys. Thanks a lot, Chris. We appreciate it. All right. That will be our official farewell at this point.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Goodbye, everyone.